0: Good day and welcome to the reading for May 25th, 2022. My name is Bill. Thank you for joining me today. And you know what? I want to take a little bit of time to uh, acknowledge some people who have checked in on the Facebook page here on the the Bible in a Year um, with Bill Facebook page. Um, We have Dana Ruse-Holt-Grau has joined us. Welcome, Dana um katherine keller bunton has um taken up membership if you will on our page <laughs> thanks Catherine, for for coming along with us um and megan hart jewel from oregon said a good morning good morning to you megan um welcome it's it's always good to hear from people and now i apologize for your name but Girme Ashkaba has also joined and I want to say welcome to Girmay. I hope I pronounced your name properly. Um, If not, I apologize. Anyway, today we are on day 145 of our journey through the New Living Translation. Today we're going to be continuing in 1 Kings, going to read chapters 10 and 11 we're going to jump over to second chronicles and read chapter 9 and then we're going to finish up today's reading with romans chapter 6 so let's get right into it with first kings chapter 10 when the queen of sheba heard of solomon's fame which brought honor to the name of the lord she came to test him with hard questions She arrived in Jerusalem with a large group of attendants and a great caravan of camels loaded with spices, large quantities of gold and precious jewels. When she met with Solomon, she talked with him about everything she had on her mind. Solomon had answers for all her questions. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. When the queen of Sheba realized how very wise Solomon was, and when she saw the palace he had built, she was overwhelmed. She was also amazed at the food on his tables, the organization of his officials, and their splendid clothing, the cupbearers, and the burnt offerings Solomon made at the temple of the Lord. She exclaimed to the king Everything I heard in my country about your achievements and wisdom is true. I didn't believe what was said until I arrived here and saw it with my own eyes. In fact, I had not heard the half of it. Your wisdom and prosperity are far beyond what I was told. How happy your people must be. What a privilege for your officials to stand here day after day listening to your wisdom. Praise the Lord your God who delights in you and has placed you on the throne of Israel. Because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, he has made you king so you can rule with justice and righteousness. Then she gave the king a gift of nine thousand pounds of gold, great quantities of spices and precious jewels. Never again were so many spices brought in as those the Queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. In addition, Hiram's ships brought gold from Ophir, and they also brought rich cargoes of red sandalwood and precious jewels. The king used the sandalwood to make railings for the temple of the Lord and the royal palace, and to construct lyres and harps for the musicians. Never before or since has there been such a supply of sandalwood. King Solomon gave the Queen of Sheba whatever she asked for, besides all the customary gifts he had so generously given. Then she and all her attendants returned to their own land. Each year Solomon received about 25 tons of gold, this did not include the additional revenue he received from merchants and traders, all the kings of Arabia, and the governors of the land. King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold, each weighing more than 15 pounds. He also made 300 smaller shields of hammered gold, each wearing nearly four pounds. The king placed these shields in the palace of the, palace of the forest of Lebanon. Then the king made a huge throne decorated with ivory and overlaid with fine gold. The throne had six steps and a rounded back. There were armrests on both sides of the seat, and the figure of a lion stood on each side of the throne. There were also twelve other lions, one standing on each end of the six steps. No other throne in all the world could be compared with it. All of King Solomon's drinking cups were solid gold, as were all the utensils in the palace of the forest of Lebanon. They were not made of silver, for silver was considered worthless in Solomon's day. The king had a fleet of trading ships of Tarshish that sailed with Hiram's fleet. Once every three years the ships returned loaded with gold, silver, ivory, apes, and peacocks. So King Solomon became richer and wiser than any other king on earth. People from every nation came to consult him and to hear the wisdom God had given him. Year after year, everyone who visited brought him gifts of silver and gold, clothing, weapons, spices, horses, and mules. Solomon built up a huge force of chariots and horses. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horses. He stationed some of them in the chariot cities and some near him in Jerusalem. The king made silver as plentiful in Jerusalem as stone, and valuable cedar timber was as common as the sycamore frig trees that grow in the foothills of Judah. Solomon's horses were imported from Egypt and from Cilicia. The king's traders acquired them from Cilicia at the standard price. At that time, chariots from Egypt could be purchased for 600 pieces of silver and horses for 150 pieces of silver. They were then exported to the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Aram. 1 Kings, chapter 11. Now King Solomon loved many foreign women. Besides Pharaoh's daughter, he married women from Moab, Ammon, Edom, Sidon, and from among the Hittites. The Lord had clearly instructed the people of Israel, you must not marry them because they will turn your hearts to their gods. Yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. And in fact, they did turn his heart away from the Lord. In Solomon's old age, they turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being completely faithful to the Lord his God as his father David had been. Solomon worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Moloch, the detestable god of the Ammonites. In this way, Solomon did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to follow the Lord completely as his father David had done. On the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem, he even built a pagan shrine for Chemosh, the detestable god of Moab, and another for Moloch, the detestable god of the Ammonites. Solomon built such shrines for all his foreign wives to use for burning incense and sacrificing to their gods. The Lord was very angry with Solomon, for his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. He had warned Solomon specifically about worshipping other gods, but Solomon did not listen to the Lord's command. So now the Lord said to him, Since you have not kept my covenant and have disobeyed my decrees, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your servants. But for the sake of your father David, I will not do this while you are still alive. I will take the kingdom away from your son. And even so, I will not take away the entire kingdom. I will let him be king of one tribe for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, my chosen city. Then the Lord raised up Hadad the Edomite, a member of Edom's royal family to be Solomon's adversary. Years before, David had defeated Edom. Joab, his army commander, had stayed to bury some of the Israelite soldiers who had died in battle. While there, they killed every male in Edom. Joab and the army of Israel had stayed there for six months, killing them. But Hadad and a few of his father's royal officials escaped and headed for Egypt. Hadad was just a boy at the time. They set out from Midian and went to Paran, where others joined them. Then they traveled to Egypt and went to Pharaoh, who gave them a home, food, and some land. Pharaoh grew very fond of Hadad, and he gave him his wife's sister in marriage, the sister of Queen Tapines, or Tapinas? Tapinis, She bore him a son named Genubath. Tapinis raised him in Pharaoh's palace among Pharaoh's own sons. When the news reached Hadad in Egypt that David and, and his commander Joab were both dead, he said to Pharaoh, let me return to my own country. Why, Pharaoh asked him, what do you lack here that makes you want to go home? Nothing, he replied, but even so please let me return home. God also raised up Rizan, son of Eliada, as Solomon's adversary. Rizan had fled from his master, King Hadadezer of Zobah, and had become the leader of a gang of rebels. After David conquered Hadadezer, Rizan and his men fled to Damascus, where he became king. Rizan was Israel's bitter adversary for the rest of Solomon's reign, and he made trouble, just as Hadad did. Rizan hated Israel intensely and continued to reign in Haram. Another rebel leader was Jeroboam, son of Nebat, one of Solomon's own officials. He came from the town of Zerada in Ephraim, and his mother was Zeruah, a widow. This is the story behind his rebellion. Solomon was rebuilding the supporting terraces and repairing the walls of the city of his father David. Jeroboam was a very capable young man, and when Solomon saw how industrious he was, he put him in charge of the labor force from the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh, the descendants of Joseph. One day, as Jeroboam was leaving Jerusalem, the prophet Ahijah from Shiloh met him along the way. Ahijah was wearing a new cloak. The two of them were alone in a field, and Ahijah took hold of the new cloak he was wearing and tore it into twelve pieces. Then he said to Jeroboam, Take ten, pieces, take ten of these pieces, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I am about to tear the kingdom from the hand of Solomon, and I will give ten of the tribes to you but I will leave him one tribe for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. For Solomon has abandoned me and worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sitonians, Chemosh, the god of Moab, and Molech, the god of the Ammonites. He has not followed my ways and done what is pleasing in my sight. He has not obeyed my decrees and regulations as David his father did. But I will not take the entire kingdom from Solomon at this time. For the sake of my servant David, the one whom I chose and who obeyed my commands and decrees, I will keep Solomon as leader for the rest of his life. But I will take the kingdom away from his son and give ten of the tribes to you. His son will have one tribe so that the descendants of David, may s- my servant, will continue to reign, shining like a lamp in, I- in Jerusalem, the city I have chosen to be the place for my name." And I will place you on the throne of Israel, and you will rule over all that your heart desires. If you listen to what I tell you, and follow my ways, and do whatever I consider to be right, and if you obey my decrees and commands, as my servant David did, then I will always be with you. I will establish an enduring dynasty for you, as I did for David, and I will give Israel to you. Because of Solomon's sin, I will punish the descendants of David, though not forever. Solomon tried to kill Jeroboam, but he fled to King Shishak of Egypt and stayed there until Solomon died. The rest of the events in Solomon's reign, including all his deeds and his wisdom, are recorded in the book of the Acts of Solomon. Solomon ruled in Jerusalem over Israel for 40 years. When he died, he was buried in the city of David, named for his father. Then his son Rehoboam became the next king. The book of Second Chronicles, chapter 9. When the Queen of Sheba heard of Solomon's fame, she came to Jerusalem to test him with hard questions. She arrived with a large group of attendants and a great caravan of camels loaded with spices, large quality, quantities of gold and precious jewels. When she met with Solomon, she talked with him about everything she had on her mind. Solomon had answers for all her questions. Nothing was too hard for him to explain to her. When the Queen of Sheba realized how wise Solomon was and when she saw the palace he had built, she was overwhelmed. She was also amazed at the food on his tables, the organization of his officials and their splendid clothing, the cupbearers and their robes and the burnt offerings Solomon made at the temple of the Lord. She exclaimed to the king, everything I heard in my country about your achievements and wisdom is true. I didn't believe what was said until I arrived here and saw it with my own eyes. In fact, I had not heard the half of your great wisdom. It is far beyond what I was told how happy your people must be what a privilege for your officials to stand here day after day listening to your wisdom praise the lord your god who delights in you and has placed you on the throne as king to rule for him because god loves israel and desires his kingdom to last forever he has made you king over them so you can rule with justice and righteousness Then she gave the king a gift of 9,000 pounds of gold, great quantities of spices, and precious jewels. Never before had there been spices as fine as those the Queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. In addition, the crews of Hiram and Solomon brought gold from Ophir, and they also brought red sandalwood and precious jewels. The king used the sandalwood to make steps for the temple of the Lord and the royal palace, and to construct lyres and harps for the musicians. Never before had such beautiful things been seen in Judah. King Solomon gave the Queen of Sheba whatever she asked for, gifts of greater value than the gifts she had given him. Then she and all her attendants returned to their own land. Each year Solomon received about 25 tons of gold. This did not include the additional revenue he received from merchants and traders. All the kings of Arabia and the governors of the provinces also brought gold and silver to Solomon. King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold, each weighing more than 15 pounds. He also made 300 smaller shields of hammered gold, each weighing more than 7.5 pounds. The king placed these shields in the palace of the forest of Lebanon then the king made a huge throne decorated with ivory and overlaid with pure gold the throne had six steps with a footstool of gold there were armrests on both sides of the seat and the figure of a lion stood on each side of the throne there were also twelve other lions one standing on each end of the six steps no other throne in all the world could be compared with it All of King Solomon's drinking cups were solid gold, as were all the utensils in the palace of the forest of Lebanon. They were not made of silver, for silver was considered worthless in Solomon's day. The king had a fleet of trading ships of Tarshish manned by the sailors sent by Hiram. Once every three years the ships returned loaded with gold, silver, ivory, apes, and peacocks. So King Solomon became richer and wiser than any other king on earth kings from every nation came to consult him and to hear the wisdom wisdom god had given him year after year everyone who visited brought him gifts of silver and gold clothing weapons spices horses and mules solomon had 4000 stalls for his horses and chariots and he had 12000 horses he stationed some of them in the chariot cities and some near him in jerusalem He ruled over all the kings from the Euphrates River in the north to the land of the Philistines and the border of Egypt in the south. The king made silver as plentiful in Jerusalem as stone, and valuable cedar timber was as common as the sycamore fig trees that grow in the foothills of Judah. Solomon's horses were imported from Egypt and many other countries. The record of, the rest of the events of Solomon's reign from beginning to end are recorded in the record of Nathan the prophet and the prophecy of Ahijah from Shiloh and also in the visions of Edo the seer concerning Jeroboam son of Nebat. Solomon ruled in Jerusalem over all Israel for 40 years. When he died he was buried in the city of David named for his father. Then his son Rehoboam became the next king. The Book of Romans, Chapter 6 Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not! Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead, and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the, under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you became or that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads you to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I am using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living, so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And so, Heavenly Father, I pray, that you would bless the reading of your word today and that we would all be slaves to righteousness, slaves to a good life, free from the power of sin and slaves to you, and that we would do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. Thank you for your word, Lord. And thank you, my friends, for joining me again here today on Bible in a Year with Bill. I hope to see you tomorrow. Take care now.